1: And that's an important relationship there. Knowledge, influence, and confidence. Those are three things we need to be successful creating products. So it's not really surprising that when I saw an article on the Mind the Product blog titled Five Tips for Product Managers Who Want to Influence Quickly, that had caught my attention. The author of that article is Bridget McMullen, and she is here to discuss how we can quickly influence others that we need to support our product ideas and plans. She's a partner at Upfront Work, a product management consultancy, and has spent more than 10 years developing and manufacturing innovative consumer products for Fortune 500 companies, including Foot Locker, Craftsman, Johnson & Johnson, and others. And remember, if you hear anything during our discussion that you want to go back to, I take the notes for you. We put those together for you, a nice summary format, easy to scan through, and easy to share with others. You'll find those notes at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 253. Now, let's talk to Bridget. Bridget, thanks for joining the Everyday Innovators.
2: Thank you. Thank you for having me.
1: Yeah, I'm glad I was looking for a specific article, and I found one from you, and that was on the topic of product managers and influence, and you had written a piece for Mind the Product. I appreciate what those people do. And this was about how to influence others, particularly kind of the product team, but others as well, and build influence quickly, which uh, we'll talk about. But first, I'm always curious how people got into product management. I just love to get your background story a little bit about what led you into product management and what you're doing.
2: Sure. So, originally, I was pursuing design. Hmm. Uh, I thought I was going to, you know, go down that path. And when I was an undergrad. I also played Division One lacrosse. Uh-huh. So I've been this weird, like, left-right brain, very disciplined, analytical, but also very creative and kind of, you know, fuzzy front-end research. Uh-huh. And the company that, when I was in college, I interned at was a, a product company. They were in the home sewing and craft space. Uh-huh. So think, like, crochet hooks and... Sewing products, all, mm-hmm. you know, things grandmothers like. And uh, I entered for them for four years and kind of worked my butt off. And they were the ones that enlightened me on going down the product development path. Huh. And so when I graduated, they, didn't, they just kind of gave me an opportunity and said, you know, we'd really love you to be in this world. We know you want to get into design. And to be honest, I wasn't the best designer. I loved the process of hmm. design. And I think they were a huge influence, which shot me into that world. And then from there, I kind of bounced around in different industries, mm-hmm. got my master's um, in product development. It's, it's actually product design and development management at Northwestern okay. and now have a product management consulting company. So mm-hmm. I'm all in product management now, but that's how I started.
1: Yeah, so a good path. So the design yeah. path. Uh, yeah. Mine was engineering, right? Uh, yeah. engineering, we we developed products as an engineer and that led me into product development, product management sort of work. So I, I appreciate people that have that, the design perspective because I think the design of a product and how customers interact with the product and customer experience are all important elements. So Yes,
2: I'm very curious. I think that's like the design kind of uh, inner designer in me is mm-hmm. really trying to focus on the why and, and all that.
1: Yeah, yeah. And tying in, you mentioned the fuzzy front end. That sounds like where you really enjoy work, right? And that's where some of the design elements and that we can learn more about the customer and what their problem is and their unmet needs and how we can create value for them. Absolutely. Very cool. And and today, so you said that led you down product development, product management, and today you help companies in these areas. Tell us just a bit about that.
2: Sure. So the, the company is called Upfront Work. I met a woman actually in grad school. And we teamed up and started this mainly out of the fact that we felt like product management wasn't something people thought of to contract out or consult out. It's kind of still a little new. Um, And we felt like there was a lot of opportunity in innovation departments, as well as kind of small companies that are growing to the point that the CEO isn't the product manager anymore, Mm -hmm. where they could bring a product manager up front. So we focus a lot trying to help in three areas. Either we help with their strategy, we help train teams, or we help like with an organizational design of how do you kind of either carve out a space for product management or help make sense of roles and responsibilities.
1: Okay. What's the scale that you typically work with for? It's all things? over. It's yeah.
2: It's been interesting. It's everywhere from... Really small companies, like five people or less, mm-hmm. to huge companies. And, you know, we're kind of like one arm in the leg. We're not an Accenture level <laughs> coming mm-hmm. in. So uh, it's it's really random at this point, I think, until we've been in business for a while. We'll get in a groove.
1: And maybe that is the groove, right? Hel- help, yeah. help people <laughs> yeah. that need help. So, exactly. Excellent. It's fun. Yep. Okay, let's dive into influence. Sure. So in this article, Mind the Product, you identified five areas we may talk about all, we may talk about more. We'll just you know, see where this goes. But yeah. the first one you addressed was individual motivation. And so, again, the context here is how do us as product managers that have enormous responsibility, I view us as really large levers in organizations, um, we're not always used as well as we should be probably for those large levers. But we have yeah. a, a lot of impact into how this organization is going to be able to create revenue in the future, uh, near term in the future. And yet we have very little actual authority. So, influence is, <laughs> needs to be our superpower. Yeah. Tell us about this issue of influence and then individual motivation.
2: Yeah. I, I mean, you, you hit the nail on the head where we... You know, for a while, I think people were calling product managers as the mini CEO. Oh,
1: we love that title, right? Until we actually know what it doesn't mean.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was going to say, and then the latest trend has been, you're not a CEO at all. Don't think you're a CEO, you know, and I think... Don't
1: kid yourself. Yeah,
2: exactly. And I think for the reality is product managers, when you drive down to what they're really helping is they're creating uh, clarity across multiple teams, but they're also providing speed. Like at the end of the day, that's really where um, there's value. Because mm-hmm. in the past, when there wasn't a product manager, you know, people were doing this themselves. The designer was handing it off to the engineer, engineer handing it off to the salesperson. And I think through time and complexity of products, there needs to be somebody there that's kind of connecting the dots. That isn't a project manager. Uh-huh. That's really understanding how to how to bring the value together. So, I think understanding that influence. There's just a reality to you're working with. Multiple teams, multiple personalities, yep. all completely different skill sets. It's you know you you gotta essentially kind of flip your brain depending on who you're talking to and understand their world. Um, at the same time, for what I was writing about from a motivation standpoint, I, I think the thing that was really interesting to me is I was trying to figure out. I had a lot of people that would come up to me when I worked within companies and say, "How are you getting?" Products launched quickly? Like, Mm -hmm. how are you getting people to do stuff faster? How is it that your products can launch and I'm still working on year two getting approval? And I wanted to write down, like, what do I do? I don't know. It's just mm -hmm. natural at this point. So, one of the things I realized is that I really treated everybody individually. So, if I was at a huge company, sure, I can't talk to every individual person. But if you have, you know, let's say a dedicated designer, engineer, marketer, you know, et cetera, you really need to like understand that person. Mm-hmm. It's bigger than just, okay, give me your work, pass on to this person. There's so much that goes into that, that I think understanding their motivation, just mm-hmm. like you'd use your product manager brain to understand the voice of the customer motivation, it's doing the same thing. Because when I think, depending on where you're at, whether it's pre-build, build, or launch, you're going to need things to go faster more in depth and you're going to be able to have to turn that on
1: yep yep so i hope that answers your question we're definitely getting there so Great. Uh, th- this uh, <laughs> really goes to the establishing trust right with the sure. individuals not treating the individuals just as kind of generic resources getting the work done but as yes. just like us real people that have stuff going on in our lives being yeah. somewhat empathetic about that is pretty helpful absolutely so you know you do this naturally but give us give us some practical tips about how this happens say i'm on the team we haven't met before and i'm a software developer how do you go about understanding you know me individually and what motivates me
2: sure i think for me now that i'm going into companies new i'm always setting up a one-on-one like introduce yourself have a one-on-one be a human Mm -hmm. (laughs) explain what your background is. Where's the connection? Do you have, are you someone that's similar to this person? Are you totally opposite from this person? Um, You have to start putting on cues. What's their communication style? Uh Are they somebody that's been at the company for 15 years? Are they a newbie just like you? I think like really, you know, it it sounds cheesy, but you got to get like a persona, right. Uh And understand who this person is and how you're going to interact with them. And I think, when I talk about the motivation, that's kind of like hurdling to the next phase of what really makes them get stuff done, Hmm. what really makes them shine. Um, That to me is if you can get an understanding of that, it's going to not only benefit them, but it's going to benefit the team.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Recently, just this week, I was listening to a podcast on leadership and talking about this notion of actually knowing the people that you're leading or not, yeah. just like us, right? Uh, knowing the people that we're influencing and working with. And one one question was, um, do you know the, the the person's, their dog's name? It's like, well, you don't actually have to know their name, but it, it's getting to, do you know the person or not, right? Yeah. And I, I forget what the official term was that the uh, was an author of a book that was talking about this. I call it the uh, story quest. Now that uh, for me to remember, you know, you need to have a story quest with the people you work with to just get their story, to yeah. understand about them, right? And like you mm-hmm. said, kind of what drives them, what motivates them, what what brings that sparkle in their eye that they really mm-hmm. love and enjoy and want to be a part of. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah,
2: and I think knowing what they don't want. Yeah. Right. I hate yeah. being in meetings. We have so many meetings at this company. Or. Right. Oh my gosh! No one even looks at my designs, um, or they keep changing my code. Whatever it is, I think like learning that you know Mm -hmm. you have to be the advocator for everybody. So you need to like you know make a mental note of you don't need to invite this person to every meeting. You can just kind of fill them in if Mm -hmm. it's relevant.
1: Right, right. Probably good practice in general, right? Yeah. And you also mentioned you understand their communication style. I think that's an important one and getting a maybe an insight into their experience with past projects because if you're walking yes. in as a new product manager you may find people that feel like you know this this project is just going to get canceled like the last three did right we're going to get halfway through it and that that is rough right and you, yeah. you have have to understand kind of where their initial state is and help people yeah. get motivated about why this one matters how this product is going to make a difference
2: yeah like a, a really interesting example i worked with a he was doing a basically a pre accelerator Uh a CEO, and he wanted to understand the people that he was getting on board. He was paying through equity and not necessarily paying money until they could get, you know, what they were doing working. And half of the people that signed up, he thought it was for the potential of the money they would get, but they signed up so that they can do extra projects with other experts that Uh their bosses wouldn't let them do. Uh And just like, once you learn that it's, it's completely different approach, Uh And a completely different, even problem that you're identifying um, once you get that baseline.
1: Right, right. So that's right. why
2: I always start with that.
1: Yeah, and that also means you attracted people that are probably different than what you were thinking of in the first place.
2: Absolutely. Right. You know? And what can
0: you do with that? Can you do something yeah. with that, or do yeah. you need to like change it up?
1: Yeah, it's really powerful.
0: I'm interrupting the interview to share something really important. We'll get back to the discussion in just a minute, but I want you to know about an extraordinary system called the Rapid Product Mastery, or RPM Experience. In just nine weeks, you can have a higher-performing product team meeting only 75 minutes a week with no travel required. One product leader, after trying all the typical training workshops, turned to the RPM Experience to get real change for his team. He said that this is the only training that provides an integrated product management perspective. It did exactly what I needed it to do. If you have a group of 5 to 14 product professionals, learn how you too can have a high-performing team in just 9 weeks, 75 minutes a week, without travel. This is the system created by Chad, based on his experience working as a product leader, coaching several organizations, and deeply studying innovation during his Ph.D. work. Get the guide for yourself at com slash RPM.
1: We touched on this communication aspect a little bit. Your second tip in the article was, you know, how do you customize your communication to the individual? Mm -hmm. And understanding, right, what motivates them, just understanding who they are, getting their story. Part Mm -hmm. of that is that. Um, Maybe just an example or two about how you would address this.
2: Yeah. I, uh, it's, there, everything as far as these tips are definitely like hand in hand, right? They uh-huh. kind of balance right. in and out. I think this is something when I was re—I had to re- reread the article when you asked about this because this has been a year, and I was like, oh man, my writing, woof. But some of the examples uh, were pretty straightforward. I took more of like a political uh, example with this one. Like, let's say uh, an individual motivation was. I've been here for five years and I've never been promoted Mm. and I really want to get promoted. And while that's not relevant to a product manager or the, uh, what you're building that is relevant in terms of how you can advocate for that person, Right. right? How you can say, okay, well, we always have at this point do a leadership presentation. Do you want to come in? Do you want to present? Do you want to start speaking more? Do you want to come to other meetings? And I think understanding the sense that these people, if you're, if, you're getting the individual motivation and you're not doing anything with it. What's the point? Right. So you need, to, you need to customize how you're talking to each person within reason. Let's say there's too many people. You have to think of an entire department mm-hmm. as customized communication. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. yeah. So two things in there. We'll focus on communication in just a moment, but the advocating for the person I think that's brilliant, right? There, there, we, we only have so many tools that we can use to create motivation um, yeah. as as product managers. Typically, you know, if we have access to actual funds and we can give people, you know, a dinner out, uh, that sort of thing or anything, that that's great. Uh, nice pat on the back. Um, but I, I like this advocating for the person notion. And I know yeah. when I've had teams in the beginning, you know, the when, when, first couple of days we do some kind of team building activities. But I also make it clear that I know each of their managers – and mm-hmm. that I will provide feedback for your performance review with each mm-hmm. of your managers, right? Mm-hmm. So that there's some connection. there. like, you know, the work that you're doing is going to be visible. I'm going to make sure that happens so that it, it, it just doesn't... You know, sometimes we work on these projects and you're not sure if anyone actually notices what you're actually doing or not, right?
2: Yeah, um, and you, you have such an opportunity with this blended role as product manager that if you have an engineer that wants to do more research, that's great, right. Bring them on board. Who cares if they're in a lane of, Oh, I just need you to code. Well, why can't they do both? Right. And I think it's, it's very powerful to be open to that. Then, you know, just kind of be like, Oh, this person always wants to go into this lane. You know, mm-hmm. if they're not doing their job, okay, that's something different. But I think just kind of being open to like what's really happening
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really good. And it gives us a chance to help do some skill building with others. You know, if I have that Absolutely. engineer that never gets out to see customers and is kind of interested in what they would say, that's fantastic because I know yeah. if that happens now, it makes them more valuable for the next next product we work on as well. Absolutely. So okay, yeah. so that's good. On the communication part of this, the yeah. you know just some of the mechanics there, like you said, you know, if someone hates getting together for meetings you know, we can try to avoid that. Probably good good to try to avoid (laughs) means we don't need a general. Some people are, uh, you know, they just want the bottom line, right? Tell me what the facts are and what I need to do next. Other Mm -hmm. people, they want to have more nuance around this and understand the story and the reasons behind things. Mm -hmm. I imagine that's sort of been been your experience trying to identify those differences and adapt that as well.
2: Yeah. The I I just used this the other day. I mean, you can simplify it to like introverts and extroverts. And I had a meeting. We were trying to do long-term strategy and vision. Some people really excited about it. Other people, ugh, we've already done this before. Why do you think this is going to work? Blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And I knew going into the meeting, one, I had to kind of talk to each person about if they're interested. Two, once there was a group meeting, provided a kind of uh, Excel sheet where they could populate their questions. So yeah. I kept it kind of open to say, Hey, if you don't want to participate in this meeting, that's fine. These are the questions we're going to talk about. There's a sheet you can fill it in. Let me know. And then you kind of gauge on, you know, who's interested, who's not. It's it's a, a, a small example, but you can kind of think through how do you create opportunities for introverts mm-hmm. as well as opportunities for extroverts. Yeah. And it really matters yeah. uh, to hear all voices.
1: Yeah, yeah. Often the introverts that aren't as engaging in those group meetings have really good information we need to hear. Absolutely. And I'm speak, saying that as, as a far introvert on the Myers-Briggs <laughs> type indicator. Okay. A, a tool that I love using, <clears throat> and this came out, out of the what's happened with brainstorming, and I try to put it in practice a lot, you know, so, so everyone knows what brainstorming is like, right? We get together, share ideas. And we have now like five decades of research that tells us it's really ineffective. Mm-hmm. And the one tool that has been added to whatever form of brainstorming that seems to help enormously is just having silent time first, right? Mm-hmm. And you say, hey, the team gets together. We need to solve this problem. We'll give everyone five minutes to just write down on their own responses to that before we discuss them. And when you do that, the research says that you get more better ideas, right? Quality, more higher quality ideas, and everyone's having an opportunity to think through it on their own a little bit, which makes the group discussion more valuable. And just adding that silent time to whatever the you know engagement is, that at least draws in the introverts as well. Sometimes that's really uncomfortable for the extroverts who say. I don't want to be quiet and do this on my own. That's the my enjoyment in life is you know I create energy by working with others. But that gives balance to hear different perspectives. I think.
2: Yeah, absolutely. So. It's a great example.
1: Okay, another one you had was use repeated stories. Mm. Tell us mm-hmm. what you mean.
2: Sure. I. This is so. When you're thinking through, you know, you have an individual motivation. I'm customizing my communication to that I need to keep reiterating what we're doing where we're going over and over. I had a a writing professor that simplified whenever you're communicating something you need to tell people what you're going to tell them tell them tell them what you told them.
1: Right.
2: right. <laughs> and I think there's a misconception with product because you're repeating it to so many people that oh everyone knows it. Everyone right. knows what's happening. And the reality is they're context switching with zillions of other people Mm -hmm. and you really need to keep hammering home what the vision is. And a lot of times I found when I do keep repeating it, you're getting people to bubble up to the surface, what they don't agree on what Mm -hmm. they do agree on. And as you're repeating it, everyone's saying, okay, we get it. We get it. Mm -hmm. We get it. Um, So I think it's just, I think it's crucial to over communicate and not, I specifically said storytelling because it needs to be engaging. It Hmm. can't be, oh, I sent an email. Oh, look at the, you know, uh, board, you know, on our project management software. Like it needs to be something that everyone knows what they're driving to. And I found you have to say it over and over and over again. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. I can imagine some specifics about applying this as you're sharing it and, Thinking about a company that maybe creates building products, right? Yeah. So maybe a story there that I might repeat is, you know, we're building this for the custom home builder and sharing that over and over. Yeah. And if I got another stakeholder in the group that says, one day says, what? Yeah. No, we're building it for the distributors.
0: Yep. Like, Mm -hmm.
1: oh, well, that's a little different perspective, isn't it? Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. And you're absolutely right. I think we, I've been guilty of this for sure, too often take for granted that everyone's on the same page. And we know yes. what was what going on. A tool that I've recommended many times for people to use is called the Lean Canvas. And yep. I've told product managers that are new to a team, say, you know, fill out a Lean Canvas your first few days, go around to all the people involved, and you'll be amazed at how many differences there actually are in the understanding of what this thing is about. And that will put you in a great position to start synthesizing that and then collaborating with everyone about what is it we're actually doing, right? Yep.
2: And I think to add to that, I've also found in addition to, you know, where's the value and what's kind of the baseline Mm -hmm. is telling people where you're at. We're at the discovery phase. Mm. So we're doing this and you know, we're like you mentioned with homeowners that we're going after homeowners, you know, okay. So now we have about three months to launch and this is why marketing's involved you know it's just it's really hammering home and not in a patronizing way that people don't know what's happening but in a way that you know exactly what you're saying you're 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 testing if people are on the same page or saying what we've yep. three months i thought we had this um as well as getting excited about it saying oh my god you're right we came all the way from there and now we're here like mm-hmm. We had eight months of fighting. I completely forgot all those wins we had, and now we have one more left. This is amazing. Right. So it's like you can kind of flip it depending on the scenario you're in. Yeah.
1: I, yeah. I love that. Uh, I have highlighted that in my notes. So the, you know, where are we at? It's just to yeah. keep track of where are we in this process. Mm-hmm. If anything, innovation, product management is a process, and there's lots of factors that go in there, right? But we do yeah. things in a certain order at a certain time, and I don't know if you've been guilty of this or not. Me as a lover of the fuzzy front end, it's, I'm, I'm always listening for you know new value to add to the customer. And we might be, you know, we've done our fuzzy front end work. We got our design done. We, if it's a physical product, we've been moving into getting ready for manufacturing. And we got a launch coming out in a couple of months. And I might hear something new and say, oh, but can't we also, mm-hmm. right? It's like, that's not where we're at right now. Maybe that would yeah. be version two of, the, of our work.
2: Absolutely. Yep.
1: Yep. Okay. So it
2: happens all the time.
1: Another fuzzy front end lover. Kind of test to that. <laughs> okay. Another tip, and we talked talk about this a little bit when it comes to the motivation and get, just getting the person's story, getting to know them. But you uh, suggest building trust, and mm-hmm. I really consider that kind of kind of one of the, you know first principles when it comes to working with others. That we have to build trust, and because w- without that, things just don't get done well. They don't get done well with each other. And sometimes I've even seen, you know, we, people either just ignore what should be done or they even go out of their way to sabotage efforts. Um, mm-hmm. if there isn't trust, let's yeah. talk about trust.
2: Sure. I mean, you hit the nail on the head. It's obvious, right? Anybody reading that would be like, duh. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think what I tried to add to it was you're establishing trust with, um, advocating for the person with telling, you know, their success story and, following your word, right? You started with understanding what their motivation was, customizing your communication, repeating the story. Now you need to make sure that you're telling everybody else. It's Mm -hmm. not just a one-on-one conversation anymore. Now you're advocating to everybody. You know, Mark did an unbelievable job on this design. And I don't think anybody understands the work he put into this. And he redid this 15 times, probably wanted to kill me. And it's the most unbelievable thing I've ever seen. Mm -hmm. Like you have to say those things because I think a lot of times it just seems obvious or it seems you don't want it to be inauthentic where you're just kind of making things up. You want it to be real. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that's your chance to really build trust. As far as one of the the quotes I put in there was from a Wharton um, professor that you're blending being credible hmm. as well as being human and the human part I think is advocating
1: hmm.
2: that's for good. me. And mm-hmm. I think it's, it depends on your skill. For me, that's my, what I can do well. I think somebody in a completely different personality is going to do it their own way.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. The, the advocating is a nice way to think about that, right? Yeah, You are helping that person position their best work and yeah. have their opportunity to grow in the organization as well. Yes. I, You know, the the negative aspect of that, I guess, it's sometimes very simple to say things that maybe we don't even mean them as negative, right? Mm -hmm. About someone, but they could be put in that context. Mm -hmm. And I think we need to be careful about that. And it's easy to fall into. And I recently heard a, a leader address this in a very blunt, matter of fact way that was really effective because it was, you know, this could just be a meeting between the two of us, right? Or a meeting with the product team or whatever. But someone had started to say, you know, well, you know, Martha, Bob, whatever, right? He's really bad at blah, blah, blah. And he just stopped the person in the middle politely and said, we have a core value to not talk about anyone that could be construed in a negative way, whether it was meant that way or not, without Mm -hmm. them being part of the conversation. Mm Because our goal is to help everyone get better, and we're not helping that person get better if they're not part of the conversation. Mm -hmm. And I just thought that was really good. And it's something I would like to really put into practice and say, you know, if we have these values, let's act on them so that people actually do trust you because then people know you're not going to be talking behind their back.
2: Yeah. And listen, it's not always that easy, right? Like you're going to have someone that's really difficult and want to, you know, like not do any of the things that you're asking for. So, I think that's where I say like, you got to use your personality to build that human side, because Mm -hmm. I think other people might um, be silly and that's what like, or they're funny and that's what makes people bond with them or, or whatever. Um, But trying to, I think that's a great example of trying to just limit the, the mess, the muck that kind of creates these little daggers and slowly kind of breaks apart the glass.
1: Mm. Yeah. And it leads to conflicts. Excellent. So we got four principles done. I'm going to put a link to the article so people can read the fifth one um, and and, uh, mind the product. As listeners know, I love innovation quotes. What do you have for us? Sure.
2: I I love that you asked this. Um, The quote I have is, it's not innovation if it doesn't launch. I'm sure with some good Googling, someone can find who said this. I could not find who said this, Mm -hmm. but... I do remember a lot of Northwestern professors telling me this. Hmm. And it is so relevant to me because so many people have great ideas. So many people. And I think everyone used to think that was the hard part. Mm -hmm. And the hard part is bringing it to life, is executing by far. And the amount of work that goes into that. To me, it's just as important. Mm-hmm. And that's why I say it's it's not innovation if it doesn't launch. Great. You had a great idea. Is it out in the market? Do people use it? Are you solving a need? Right. On a commercial level, right? If not, right. you're just having a hobby.
1: Yeah. I, I actually haven't heard this before. If I have, it hasn't registered. Um, I love that you shared that. And it kind of brings in aspects for me in a very simple way of what innovation isn't. Right, and. Yes. Um, a lot of people do think innovation is the creative part, it's the idea, it's maybe invention, it's creating something new, which it is, but fundamentally it needs to get into the hands of customers and add value to them, usually through some marketplace where there's an exchange of value, we create value for them, and they help provide us value right by paying us or something. Um, and I like that, it's not innovation if it doesn't launch, have to make yeah. it available. So that's really good. How can people find out about you and the work that you're doing?
2: Sure. Uh, they can go to our website. Uh, it's, uh, www.upfrontwork.com mm-hmm. or you can connect with me on LinkedIn, Bridget McMullen. Be okay. happy to chat.
1: I will put links in the show notes for that. Bridget, thank you so much for spending time talking about, you know, a very important topic for product managers and one that we need to take to heart, which is how to build our ability to influence others, especially in the environment where we have no control, which is always the case. And that's how we can just work better with the others, too. So I appreciate all the tips.
2: Great. Thank you for having me. This is very fun.
1: Thanks again for listening to The Everyday Innovator. This is where product leaders and managers make their move to product master learning practical knowledge that leads to more influence, which we just talked about, how you can get more influence quickly, and of course, confidence. Why? So you can create products that customers love. You'll find the written notes of the discussion with Bridget so you can go back and look at those insights for creating influence quickly at theeverydayinnovator.com slash 253. Keep innovating.
0: Thank you for listening to The Everyday Innovator, which teaches product managers to become product masters. For more resources, please visit the everydayinnovator.com.